Are you here? Are you right here, right now, listening? Oh, that's good. That's great. So, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour, the place people go to listen to interviews. We're presenting an interview from the archives today with Matt Costa, an artist Paul has seen in concert and recommends you check him out. Word around the campfire is that Matt's going to be hitting the road next month. So, who's Matt Costa? Ah, uh, I knew you'd ask. I'll tell you the truth. Matt Costa. He's a singer-songwriter, recording artist, signed to the indie label Danger Bird Records. Now, this interview was recorded at The Loft at Center Stage Atlanta, Georgia, just prior to one of Matt's shows. At that time, Matt was on the Brushfire Records label and had just released his album Mobile Chateau. And his most recent album on the Danger Bird Records label is Yellow Coat. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And you know what else you can do if you're so inclined? It's always optional, and we never pressure you. But you can always contribute to the Paul Leslie Hour and be a patron of the spoken word and independent media. Simply visit www.thepaulleslie.com support. Oh, you'll know what to do when you get there. And as for now, well, we're pleased to present this remastered interview with Matt Costa, available on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, and just about everywhere else. Enjoy the backstage chat with Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to welcome our special guest, Matt Costa, here at the Loft at Center Stage. First of all, thanks for making the time to do this. Thanks for having me on the show. Who is Matt Costa? Well, I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out my whole life. You know, I guess that's what the, that's what the challenge is. Uh, but today, uh, songwriter, going to be doing some songs here and uh, in Atlanta for the time being. And let's see, 28 years old and, yeah, enjoying it. you got a new album out on Brushfire Records. It's entitled Mobile Chateau. So for everyone that's wondering, what exactly does Mobile Chateau mean? Well, quite literally, my wife had made a, a mobile in the uh, in a chateau that we were staying at in France. So then from there, the, the idea kind of ch- changed into a, a movable feast sort of thing. And, uh, all the people that were involved in making the record, uh, playing on it. Do you have a favorite song from the album? Yeah, I really like, well, shoot, it's hard. Every day it's different, you know, because yeah. you've got different, you know, you feel different ways every day. I really like the way Drive turned out. I like that song because it's a, it was a collaboration in a sense that I took the initiative to, uh, to do, to, to make, uh, as a singer from the sixties named Bob Lind, who wrote a song called Go Ask Your Man. And my uncle had turned me on to him. So it's half of his lyrics. Half of my lyrics, and then I, I rewrote uh, all the music to it and things. So I essentially co-wrote, rewrote an old song that was half my idea and half the original idea. And so uh, I like that one for that reason because I'd never done that before, and I, I felt like um, I would never felt like I could sing those songs, put it on a record, and believe believe it. You know what I mean? But I, for some reason, I felt a free a parallel in that with him in that song. So I felt like it was my. I never felt like. Another song like that was my own until now. 
So that was kind of like an interesting, um, something new that I did on this record. Our special guest is Matt Costa. Matt, tell us about some of your influences. Well, let's see. John Steinbeck, guys in my band, you know, their influences. I think you put yourself around people that you can, uh, that push you, you know. And so, yeah, uh, let's see, who else is there? Donovan, Fairport Convention, a lot of the 60s, uh, British and stuff. Uh, I always kind of, I learned how to play folk music because of, because of their interpretations of it. And then finally I went back to the uh, American roots of it. But now I'm kind of going back to, uh, you know, I always go back to those British late 60s records for, for inspiration. At least on this record, I didn't. I wanted to ask you about one of the songs from the last album, Unfamiliar Faces. The song is Mr. Pitiful. I really like that one. If you don't mind going back to talk about oh, the last record. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, I wrote that song. I bought this. I bought a piano from this uh, piano shop in Sacramento, and I just moved into a place up there that I was renting. And I bought this piano. It was like a nice piano shop, but they had thousands of dollars worth of piano, you know, like $100,000 pianos, $50,000 pianos, nice Steinways, nice ones. Really. But I found this one that was in the corner because I didn't want to spend, I didn't have enough money to buy a real nice piano, but I saw a piano in the corner. Well, I asked the guy how much it was. He's like, this one, he's like trying to get rid of this one. The finish was all messed up on it. The keys were all jagged. Wood was coming through on the, on the black keys. And he was like, oh, I'll give you for 250 bucks. And I was like, 250 bucks? He's like, yeah, you just got to get someone to take it home. So I had a friend pull a truck up and we gave him 250 bucks and took that piano home, you know, started working on playing more, more piano. I was like playing on the piano. It's, I think it's a helpful tool when, you can't go any further on a guitar. You can kind of take a melody for the piano, chords and stuff like that. And it can grow. You don't get the full low end on the guitar for the bass notes, so you can't hear how things play together. So the piano is helpful in that sense. So I wrote that. Uh, I wrote Mr. Fiddlefall one day on that uh, on that piano. And that was the first song I ever wrote on that piano. Feeling of how someone's own character or something like that can make you feel like you, like you did something personally that, you know, that offended them. You know, and just being like that. I guess on both both ends, like getting getting over it and being like, let's get over that hump. It just sounded almost ironic the way that the lyrics play with the upbeat thing. I like using subjects that juxtapose the music, you know, because I'm always really drawn to you know upbeat melodies and upbeat sound. Is there a part of music that you'd say that you like better than the other? You write songs, you record music, and you perform. Could you pick an area of music that you like more than the other? You're in different modes and you're doing each one, but they all interplay, so you can't. Sometimes you try to emulate sounds from a live show on a recording, or sometimes you do the opposite. Sometimes you try to emulate sounds from recording on a live show, and sometimes you, you know, you're working on a, you know, you're playing a, a song and you're writing a, you know, you write a little riff or something to a, a song and you're doing it during sound check or something like that and sometimes maybe you're in the middle of the show and you try something out a song that you never thought of it that way just because in the moment it makes you think about it differently so then you play you know you push yourself to play it you discover something about it i think they're all intertwined Mm -hmm. so it's hard to pick a favorite one but i'd say i like the writing process and like the satisfaction of creating something new and writing a song i like the creation aspect of it Mm mm-hmm that's my favorite part. So writing a song and having that feeling afterwards that 
you kind of release that you release this feeling or whatever and now it has an identity that i really like and uh, even you know older songs too recreating those like making making the, those evolve with your own uh with your own musical abilities as you play you, you're gonna learn more that's one thing I, i've done i've recently on this record i've been wanting to do is like subtle changes in the song so going to like radio stations and things like that when we do performances in the studios at npr things and stuff like that incorporating things that weren't on the original recordings or on the records because uh so those are documented as the time you know something that you, you worked out because you don't want to go back from your record a whole record but it's cool to like capture that moment again with an evolution mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's something that i recently only within the past uh month or so or you know on this tour i've been really enjoying the idea i'm trying to do hmm. interesting yeah when somebody goes and they hear you perform or when they listen to one of your records what is it that you want the listener to get out of that experience wow i get when someone listens to the music i think that uh you know, a sense of relation, you know, that, uh, I mean, a lot of times, like, a lot of times there's life lessons, you know, in music. You hear something and you go, man, I never, I never knew that, uh, that that happened to someone else in their life or that, uh, or at the same way, how to like almost how to certain times how to deal you know how to deal with something or uh, you know just a little bit of a a little bit of an escape from from the monotony of something you know yeah I mean that's why you put on your headphones and you can be anywhere and you can be some you can be someplace else so I think uh, trying to take the listener trying to create as much of an out-of-body experience as possible. We're going to play a song for Matt Costa's first album, Songs We Sing. This is Yellow Taxi. The latest album is uh, Mobile Chateau, and everyone can check out mattcosta.com. They can also check out freshfirerecords.com. And speaking of Freshfire, how did you find your way on the Freshfire record label? I remember in 2005 you were performing with ALO. How that happen? Uh, well, I, uh, I, I put out first record song to sing, uh, with my friend Tom, we did it independently and, uh, Emmett Malloy and Jack Johnson heard that they are two main, main folks behind Bushfire Records and they, uh, asked me to come on tour and in the middle of that tour, uh, we've been getting along so well, they'd asked me if I wanted to put my music, put my music out on their record. So that's how it came about. So. So I said, yeah, because I liked a lot of the ideas that they uh, I put so much time into the music. It's nice when the when the music kind of becomes a community and also gives back to uh, gives back to good uh, you know good causes and and the people's motives are are true and pure. Yeah. I feel that way with them. Well, I have one final question for you. Uh, for all the people who are going to be listening to this this interview and this broadcast. Is there anything before we leave that you'd like to say to everyone listening? Keep on keeping on, you know, and uh, make sure you remember to enjoy things. Sometimes it's easy to forget that. And I have to remind myself, you know, that all the time in just any, in any circumstance, you know, it's easy to take things for granted. It's the people around you 
It's everything. So don't take anything for granted because there's always someone in a worse position than you. And so, and you gotta, when that person isn't, you see someone in that position, you gotta, you gotta help them up. Mr. Costa? Yep. Thanks for the interview. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.